Check the Program, a kitchen table podcast by four sometimes journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage in this fine city and decided to do something about it. I am Sarah Petrescu. I'm John Threlfall. I'm Melanie Trump Hoover. I'm Amanda Farrello, and today we're going to be talking about a couple things we've seen, including Concord Floral and Sweeney Todd, uh, discussing the John A. Macdonald statue controversy that has erupted in Victoria, and taking a preview at the Fringe and talking about how we're going to tackle the Fringe this year, our inaugural Victoria Fringe uh, as the podcast, so that's exciting. Nice. Uh, before we start, though, I'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we are discussing has also been created and performed here. So, this is Check the Program, let's get started. Uh, do you want to kick it off, talk about uh, John A. MacDonald? Sure. Let's get right into it. Oh yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's ease into it. So, so nickel, nickel recap, uh, since 1982, uh, Johnny McDonald's statue has stood outside of City Hall until this past weekend when it was removed. And some people were in favor of that. Some people were opposed to that. Um, the reason for the removal was primarily because of complaints from Indigenous people. Is that correct? Um, it was sort of a product of a reconciliation effort, I guess, about a year and a half ago. Right. The city councillors um, wanted to do some uh, reconciliation work, and the idea they came up with was to just connect with Songhees and Esquimalt councillors and staff and get together and have dinners and talk and sort of became what they call a family and talk about what they could actually do. And the statue came up as something that was a point of trauma for Indigenous people going to City Hall and trying to, you know, access services there or feel welcome there. So the decision came out, came from that committee. So even though there's outrage, it was very thoughtful, outrage, thoughtful, um, thoughtful mm-hmm. process. Right. And the trauma was because Johnny McDonald's as first prime minister uh, inaugurated the Indian Act and the residential school system in Canada. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm in many other sins. Yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, imagine even just being those folks invited to participate in this conversation on reconciliation yeah. and every time you walk through the doors of city hall johnny mcdonald is literally on a pedestal like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. statue yeah. had to go and, <laughs> and you know being as we're an arts podcast we were talking about you know the impact that art can have um even beyond what the artist may have created or intended it for i'm sure that was a commissioned piece and he had something in mind and um you know how many years later 30 almost 40 years later it is it is something completely different but you know served an entirely different purpose yeah yeah the uh one of the reasons it was there is because johnny mcdonald was the mp for victoria for a period of time um it wasn't necessarily that it was commemorating him as the prime minister of canada Uh, i think one of the interesting things about public art is that it usually most people pay attention to it when it becomes an issue Mm-hmm. I think most of the time people walk past public art and they don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's always interesting when it flares up like this. That said, I, I far prefer walking past like the spindle whorls that are downtown and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Those kind of pieces of public art have much more meaning to me. Who wants mm-hmm. to see a statue of another old white guy? <laughs> exactly. Like, like that's know. like 90 something percent of statues. Yeah. And yeah. I think their potential intention for it of possibly putting it in the museum and being able to, 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 articulate a lot of the context around him that just a little plaque 
on the pedestal, as mm-hmm. you said, uh, really couldn't capture. I think I, I know that it's not definite where it's going yet, but that they're being thoughtful about where it's rest, final final places where it ends up to be able to tell more of the story than what it did sitting at City Hall. Yeah. And there's a plaque there now that's explaining it. But, it was just um, defaced. Just defaced mm-hmm. several yeah. times. Yeah. But it's interesting how art and can become like a symbol for people. They really, you know, identi- it's a symbol of identity, which I was really shocked in this whole process. Like, yes, I know that there's racism out there and I know that, you know, don't read the comments, right? We all mm-hmm. know that. Um, people can be at their worst, but I was really surprised to see the level of sort of vitriol, even after being, you know, a newspaper reporter for how many years and, and mm-hmm. reading the comments and, you know, being exposed to the racism, this was like, it was a bit shocking. And some of the nasty things that were said about the mayor, about indigenous people, yeah. the fact that the, you know, white supremacist group, um, showed up that mm-hmm. there's the Brock University professor um, who sort of clung on to it even Doug Ford offered to take the take the statue off, off yeah the there was a whole thing and I guess the uh, Ontario government wrote the city and offered to take it and the city said no I mean I, I feel like as a piece of art it's going to live on and be far more important and interesting now than exactly. it ever was sitting Absolutely. in front of City exactly. Hall. Yeah. Like now it's a piece of history. You yeah. know, it's mm-hmm. not just depicting history. It is history, yeah. which yeah. I think is more interesting. And if yes. I was the artist who created it, I'd probably be pretty uh, proud of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he clearly had had a vision for his work and, and had some pride in his, you know, craftsmanship yeah. and, and his work. So I'm sure it was difficult um, in a way, but... Yeah, really, I think this is, it's a turning point for Victoria, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It's, it's huge. It's yeah. a mm-hmm. piece of our history now, you know, in a it lot is. of ways. As and soon I... as you put somebody in bronze, that becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, like these tall bronzes, you know, there's the Emily Carr, there's the one of Michael Williams downtown as well. There's, uh, oh, the Terry Fox one down at Mile Zero, which yeah. is a personal bugaboo for me because Terry Fox never made it out here. Mm-hmm. He never made it to Mile Zero. They could have put a statue up of Stefano. They mm-hmm. didn't. Uh, Stefano has a little sign, Stefano Beach. He got the t- name of the beach taken away from him when he uh, was convicted of a crime. Uh, so it drives me nuts that these statues are put there to commer- commemorate things that, you know, sometimes they happened, sometimes they didn't. But I think we were talking earlier that we said something about uh, statues don't necessarily represent history. Mm-hmm. It represents the history people want to remember. And when yeah. you start tinkering with that, like mm-hmm. taking down some of the Confederate general statues in uh, the American South, uh, people get all riled up about it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I'd far rather see a piece of contemporary. Like we're seeing all over the city now, the Susan mm-hmm. Point piece, mm-hmm. uh, the recent piece that was just put up on City Hall as well. I'd rather see a piece of mm-hmm. contemporary work than some, you know, hoary old bronze representing someone who really had no impact on Victoria mm-hmm. at all, even though he was the MP. To the best of my knowledge, he never actually spent any time in Victoria when he was the mm-hmm. MP. Yeah. Well, and most people getting riled up, I bet, didn't know it was there, mm-hmm. didn't recognize who Absolutely. it was walking by, and they're using yeah. it as and a I lightning doubt... rod for yeah. for their other issues and concerns. I doubt they know, you know, much about the history mm-hmm. of residential schools and his his impact there. So, yeah. yeah, it was really interesting. I think that there's probably going to be a lot of hurt left over from the whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder but... how it's going to affect our election. I, I suspect mm-hmm. a lot of the people who were really outspoken about its removal. Uh, are not Victoria voters. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah. And you know what would mm-hmm. affect Victoria's election? 
if people voted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Like, it's voter turnout, like 30% yeah. or something. You yeah. know you want to affect the city's election? Vote. Yeah. What was it, 80 yeah. votes last time between yeah. the mayor candidates? Yeah, yeah so it'll be, we'll, have to, we'll have to delve into art stuff as election season yeah. ramps up. Maybe we'll Take connect with some platforms. candidates. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah, because I'd like to, to see how... Yeah. what their stance are mm-hmm. on the few things that we care about here. So, um, well, let's let's do some reviews now. Uh, I guess it's been a little while since we got together, but we've seen a couple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the, the one that's still on right now, Concord Floral, uh, Theater Scams Concord Floral downtown at the old Staples building on uh, uh, 4th Street. John, you and I both saw the show. Yeah. yeah, which, I mean, talking about the site itself, that falls in Scams tradition of finding unusual places to put in place. And uh, this site has been used for uh, Commotion College's art show earlier this year as well. And I love seeing uh, unused facilities being put into some fresh purpose. So it was great to see a play put in there. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily the best venue for the play, but it was certainly interesting. Yeah, I agreed. And I actually, um, so uh, I felt like walking into that building i was like wow this is actually a really beautiful space the main floor and then uh, the majority of the show takes place in the basement uh so i was kind of wishing that more of it took place on that main floor because it's you know it's got these big tall ceilings and these beautiful windows up top and uh yeah but um I guess the Cole's notes on the plot. What, what should, we don't want to give too much away. Yeah, so a group of youth who conquered florals, the name of an abandoned greenhouse outside of their town. Uh, originally a concept in the show was in Ontario. It's been transplanted out here to uh, the island. Um, uh, youth who were partying out at the greenhouse and uh, something happens. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the audience is left to wonder what exactly happened and what the impact and the fallout of that is mm-hmm. and the cast is primarily young folks so teenagers yeah. uh and there are two casts right so uh because they had so many and i suspect a lot of them are involved in theater scams drama school correct like quite a few certainly some of them yeah. are there's a couple of phoenix students there's a couple yeah. of people just generally from the community as well yeah mm-hmm. um and because we saw two that we each saw the different cast. Yeah. So I saw the floral cast. And, and saw I saw the, the Concord cast. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that which is kind of neat. But yeah. I didn't really, you know, it's such a good ensemble piece. I wouldn't say there was like a one person who really, they all work together. The whole mm-hmm. cast worked together really well. And it's a, a nice piece to showcase the wide range of talent that, uh, of young talent that we've seen. I, I mean, I don't think I'd seen any of those uh, young actors in anything before. So that was a real treat. Yeah, I saw a couple of familiar faces, but uh, Jordan Tannehill, the playwright, Governor General's awarding playwright. Uh, the the concept and the the structure of the show is such that uh, really everybody gets a moment to shine. And the there's some dialogue, but there's a lot of monologues as well. And it is really a, a very layered script. You know, you'll get somebody talking, and somebody else comes in and talks, and somebody else comes in. Human characters as well. It's non-human characters, an animal character, a couple of animal characters, mm-hmm. a couch. Yeah. Uh, the greenhouse itself <laughs> yeah. speaks as well, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. And it's very much, uh, it is a very much a layered narrative as well. There's reveals, there's surprises, there's things like that as it goes along. Yeah, it definitely um, isn't what you think it is right at the beginning. Yeah, you know? and I would say emotionally the mood really shifts. Like there are parts of it I found very disturbing and very creepy. Like I was getting chills at one point. Uh, and then there's, it was surprisingly funny in other parts. 
and then uh, just a very simple uh, presentation of I think what it is to be a teenager you know of any age like some of what they're talking about resonated with me as a teenager you know which was four years ago yeah I definitely felt it like it brought me back to like the feeling of being a teenager and how intense everything feels mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like everything is kind of life or death and really important and mm -hmm. uh yeah it really brought me back there and I think that's difficult to do you know I think a lot of people write for young people and it comes off as like phony after school mm -hmm. special mm -hmm. and so I think that it's uh, quite remarkable that both the script and the cast were able to, to take you there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, the only sort of negatives I had were more logistical things. Uh, <laughs> I was stuck behind someone wearing a hat the whole time uh, for a good portion of the show Worse. where we were sitting down in quite uncomfortable chairs. If you're going, I would recommend bringing a pillow or putting your jacket down to sit on them because, you know... It's not like they can install theater seats in this abandoned where like abandoned retail outlet, but uh, yeah. And I hesitated on saying something, and I just spent the whole show behind this person with a big hat on, just kind of irritated. So it was a little distracting. I had trouble with the sound in some parts. I was really glad yeah. the cast were mic'd because it is a large, echoey, empty room, mm. and uh, you know the miking definitely helped you hear the dialogue. But then it also gave it that sort of echoey. Uh, amplified sound as well yeah so parts of it I found difficult to hear especially the first part when they're upstairs yes, which yes. I can see why they didn't use the upstairs like I know I said that it would have been nice if they did but yeah. you can see why logistically it was very echoey up there and I, in my run some of the cast was mic'd and some of them weren't mm -hmm. so I'm not sure if that was just the day or decisions by the individual performers yeah. or or what but yeah. uh yeah i definitely especially at the beginning and you're just kind of trying to get your bearings it was difficult to understand what was going on sometimes yeah. i really enjoyed seeing it it's a fairly short show it's 80 minutes no mm -hmm. intermission uh, it's a good opportunity if people want to hear the work of jordan Tannehill. i don't really think we've seen any other uh oh, plays sure, of his yeah. put in in town yet um i would also encourage people to take their teenagers to yeah, it yeah i mean it is a very frank production that's sexually it's sexually explicit in parts the language is very straightforward and very matter of fact uh, but I took my 15-year-old to it. They loved it. Uh, and they thought it was a really, you know, refreshing thing to see as well. So I would encourage people to take their teenagers to it. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Sweeney Todd, we also saw Sweeney Todd, where I sat behind a guy with a big hat on. <laughs> Apparently and, it's a thing. Well, yeah. but it hadn't been a thing for a long time, but I sat down, and this guy sat in front of me, and he had a big hat on. And, and I did actually say something to him, like, hey, can you remove your hat? And he's like, oh, okay. And it's like, well, you're in a building. Take your hat off. It's not like going to the races with the queen. And not any <laughs> building, a hot building in the summer. Yeah. Anyway, so Sweeney Todd, uh, Bluebridge's last show of their summer season, uh, directed by Brian Richmond. Sweeney Todd is uh, Stephen Hunt Sondheim's chamber opera, I guess mm -hmm. it's often described as. And this was a, uh, a boutique production of it, a uh, mm -hmm. relatively small cast. Uh, what did you think of it? I thought there was really strong singing. I thought the ensemble cast worked really well together. Agreed. The production, the design was a little bit to get used to. Um, and there's a whole, there was a whole piece of literature in the program explaining it, um, this concept. So it was a stark, stark white stage. And as the performers 
were coming out and, and scenes were transitioning to, between each other and whatnot, um, artists were scooping paint from buckets and smearing it all over the stage. Like blood paint. No. Well, no, because the buckets had words on them, like the, the seven, seven deadly, deadly sins, sins uh, so sloppy yeah. to be greed and stuff. So when you sat down, you saw the buckets, and you're like, what's up with the buckets? If you didn't read the program essay, you're like, you're a little bit lost what's up on with it. The buckets? And then they take the buckets away, mm-hmm. and they start throwing the paint around, which is supposed to symbolize the things that are in the buckets. Yeah. Like the buckets aren't there as a cheat sheet anymore. And so their collective like, mania what? and their collective sin yeah. and that we're all fallible. and yeah. that Right? And kind of justifying the um, piece in Sweeney Todd when the um, play itself really shifts and becomes a little bit more manic and Sweeney Todd, the lead character, realizes, I think the um, musical piece is called Epiphany when he realizes that all, all men are evil, and it doesn't matter if he goes on a murdering rampage, and that's kind of what it was trying to symbolize with the stage the whole time. Sorry. Uh, director Brian Richmond had this idea that uh, everything was in stark white, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. white paper sheets, and they're on the stage. The cast is all dressed in white. Uh, they would adopt certain uh, sort of beige costume pieces mm-hmm. over top of their whites. The idea was that it was a therapy group, mm-hmm. and part of their therapy was mounting a production of Sweeney Todd. But yeah. again, if you didn't read the program notes, you wouldn't know you wouldn't that know at that. all. No. So, I, I, you know, it was similar approach to what Brian took when he did Guys and Dolls a few years ago, also very minimalist production, which uh, with a clever concept behind it. In this case, I think the concept just didn't pay off. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to watch Sweeney Todd. Yeah. You know, it's like, just give me projections of London and that would be fine. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of city-based projections, yeah. but not consistently through it. Yeah. And then they projected the name of every single song And I didn't stage. understand why. Who cares that it's called Joanna 3 or yeah. something like that? Like, I, I've never known the names of the songs in Sweeney Todd and I didn't want to know them now. And it yeah. didn't add anything. It was distracting. It was it distracting. Kept... Making you, taking you out of the action, reminding you, oh, right, you're in a play and there are pages that are taking us through. Yeah, I kept pulling you out of it for sure. Some great performances. I thought Shauna Baird was fantastic as Mrs. Lovett. I did enjoy Jacob Richmond. He had a great sense of menace as uh, Mm -hmm. Sweeney Todd. Um, You know, he's not a trained singer, so his voice wasn't as strong as the trained singers who were in the cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Colby Wardell was very good as well. And it was so great to see him and Riel Brave performing together again. I want to see more of Riel. It's been since Ride the Cyclone, and they are, I think, their besties in real life as well, but their chemistry on stage where they had to interact was just so much fun. They both played kind of, um, I guess, jester figures, Mm-hmm. comic relief mm-hmm. in a very um you know oddball show with a with a lot of carnage in it um <laughs> and so they they gave a lot of levity when they were on stage together it was really fun to watch them i kind of enjoyed the dueling piano concept as well like yeah. instead of having a pit band two pianos were providing all the music jeff pointer and heather burns and i thought that worked very well yeah i agree so i would say i really enjoyed it as a production i enjoyed the singers a lot I didn't enjoy the direction and I didn't enjoy the wraparound concept so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Entertaining, lots of fun. Glad I went, but uh, yeah, didn't it didn't hook me either. Yeah. The the so, kind of nouveau concept they were trying to bring. You know, Sweeney with Todd it. is a difficult show to do well. You know, it's it really is, and it's got this sort of checkered history as well that uh, it's a tough show to mount and, and to really pull off. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, do you want to say something quickly about Hedwig? You saw Hedwig, yeah. We saw Hedwig, yeah, um, at uh, the old Harpo's upstairs cabaret. <laughs> I say the old Harpo's was really the old long time ago, <laughs> but that was its heyday. Nightclub downtown, um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch was an incredible 
incredible show. Um, perfect venue for it, too. Perfect Put venue in a nightclub. Night yeah, and the two leads we had talked about, uh, Griffin Lee, I think, um, before a cut in our last podcast. Incredible. He's great. Mm. But uh, his uh, co-lead, uh, Jana Morrison, what a singer. Like, yeah. What a voice. Man, she is amazing. I would love to see her. I would love to see her in Rent, actually. She mm. would be incredible in Rent. Well, maybe she'll do it. You know, Maybe Oasis is doing it this rent fall. Rent is coming. So we'll, yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about Rent to see yeah. who's in the cast for incredible, that. Incredible, incredible voice. Um, yeah. Did see another great show, a music show. Um, Melanie was there, too. I don't know if any, any of you got there, guys. So no. the, clo- the finale to the Phillips um, Backyard Weekender was Prince's band, The Revolution. I could hear like, them very the well. The <laughs> band, like Wendy and Lisa, killing it. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, you sort of think, oh, they'll go play the hits. And I completely forgot about the concept that this is the first time they were really getting together to do a show since he died a year and a half ago. And it was a tribute to him, and mm-hmm. it was honoring him and his fans, and it was really emotional mm. and wonderful. And they, what, I mean, I just feel like I don't get to see killer bands anymore mm-hmm. who just are, like, you know, that otherworldly good. Like, they're all just great musicians. Mm-hmm. And they brought so much heart, and they had they looked like they were having such a great time in Victoria. Like, mm. they just were feeling the love, so. Who did, the, who did Prince's vocals? Did they just trade off, or? They had a few different people come in. Yeah, Wendy sang, and mm-hmm. then they had a fellow, I forget his name, come in, um, a couple guests. Mm. Yeah. But she, she did a lot of it. And, yeah, she did uh, Purple Rain, just a beautiful Purple Rain. Purple just rain. the guitar mm-hmm. solos, like, it was awesome. Yeah. So. My ears were waiting for two days afterwards yeah, because exactly. I forgot earplugs. I danced in the front the whole time. I was wearing a crushed purple velvet shirt. You sure were. From <laughs> high school. And it was like unabashed joy. Were you at show. the Prince show when it was here? No, yeah. I was in India when that can't. Ha- and I mm-hmm. was so mad that I missed it because I. It was pretty amazing. I'm like, some of my favorite childhood memories are my mom buying that Purple Rain album and like cutting a rug in our living room <laughs> with the record player and us dancing and like I've loved that album, that movie, no. ever since. So that's pretty special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fringe. Yeah, friends. Yeah, I can't believe it. I feel like it snuck up on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we were gonna do our fall preview this episode, and then it's like, oh wait, the fringe. It's we cool. gotta, we gotta talk about that. Thirty second. Yes, I believe so. Thirty second annual fringe fest, uh, August twenty second to September second. Forty seven shows this year coming mm-hmm. up, uh, which is great. Uh, seven venues, uh, five single show, bring your own venues as well. And uh, a couple of uh, previews as well. Uh, Wednesday, August twenty second at Centennial Squares. The you know the, every year they have the the big fringe preview. I am amazed at how big that's gone. Yeah. People love it's it. Fun. Yeah, people it's love so it. Like and the fun. Do you remember? Do you remember when we used it used to be at the event center? Yeah. And, and look how huge it is. And yeah. it's just turned into this awesome way to start the fringe. Yeah. It's yeah. such a great kickoff it's for great. the festival. I always enjoy that. Yeah. And then they have the mid uh, the mid fringe. Uh, I guess for all the shows coming two, from yeah Edmonton. the touring shows. So. Uh, Tuesday, August 28th is the second preview night, and that one's at uh, Metro Studio. And then also Fringe Kids happening on Saturday, August 25th. And don't forget about the Fringe Club. Oh, the Fringe Club, it's of course. Such a fun way to meet performers and other hardcore fringers and learn about shows. And, and a new venue this yeah. year. Yeah, mm-hmm. at Ticket Rocket. At, oh, at Ticket Rocket. Which is a really okay. fun, it's this um, lawn, um, really dynamic space right next to the Livet on Broughton mm-hmm. across from mm-hmm. the Royal. So it'll be yeah, cool to see how that works as the Fringe Club this How year. big is it? Nice. I've never been in there. It's big enough to have the great big disco ball from uh, Sugar. 
<laughs> I don't know if they still have it, but last time I was in, they had this huge, oh, like the huge disco ball. It was yeah. a good size space. Yeah. 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 It's probably at least the size of uh, Intrepid's uh, lobby area. It's mm-hmm. nice. Oh, to, it's, it's bigger. It's than that. nice it's bigger to have it some yeah. like not at the VEC, so you can like go there be- like before yeah. 10 p.m. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 So lots of th- lots of shows coming in. Lots of, uh, of course, uh, locally produced shows as well. Um, do people have a couple of picks? Local. Let's let's do local. Anything local that people are specifically looking forward to? I'm really excited. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm. I gotta look through That's all so my. Mark- You're gonna hear I've lots got, of paper shuffling. I've actually got a tabbed. Uh, I see. Program yes, you're very here, organized. I'm like, the local show I'm most excited about um, is Kit and Jane coming back uh, to Laneham Court Theatre, and I saw the show in production. It's, it's Kit and Jane, a interactive survival guide to the apocalypse or something like that. It's a very long title. Um, but it stars Ingrid Hansen and Rod Peter Jr. And Ingrid, I believe, won Pick of the Fringe last year with Interstellar Elder, which was my very favorite show from last year, period. Um, they did a workshop of this show at Spark, I think, multiple years ago. And since then... I it's... feel like I've seen it. At, or was in, it... At the Fringe or at Spark? Maybe not at the Fringe. I'm... You know, the Wonderheads are always great. Yes, yes. So they're going to be uh, back with uh, which, which, so I got a flip. I just the had wild. it. Wa- uh, the Wilds. Yeah. That's, and maybe. they're Victoria local now, right? Yeah. They oh, were Portland. They and they yeah, I believe oh, okay. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what, yeah. So they're, um, yeah, they're mm-hmm. in venue three. They're always, their shows are mm-hmm. always wonderful. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a former local returning, Carrie Wass's. <laughs> Carrie, okay. Oh, <laughs> Volume one, timeless, timely tunes. Carrie Wass of uh, Atomic Vaudeville, Ride the Cyclone, Milk Milk Lemonade. Oh God, yeah. Fame, um, yeah. Uvic, former Uvic uh, student, and um, just character extraordinaire. And so it looks like he's doing a sort of a hip hop kind of show created in Vietnam. Carrie, okay. Yeah, because I guess he's been living there yeah. for the last. I just while. feel like this is not going to disappoint. Oh, he never, awesome. he never does. He's he is just... great at hip hop too. He was yeah. in the original Ride the Cyclone cast. Yeah, yeah yes. doing the Russian. Yes. I believe this is kind that of inspired so by that. Like, okay. like he, he kind of got inspired by that yeah. experience. Didn't he and... hip hop battle himself? Yeah, yes, yeah. With the, in a mirror. Yeah, yeah it was brilliant. I was so sad when that song got cut. It Me was too. Like, yeah, that was yeah. great. So that's going to be good. The other local one is Fado. Oh, right. Which um, looks really interesting um, by Puente Theatre at the White Eagle Hall. And so it's a show and then there's a concert after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sarah, that's very cool. Sarah, Sarah Morales. Morales. Yeah. But it's written by Elena Vila, who did uh, Lieutenant Nunn, which yeah. Scam did quite a few years oh, ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it sounds very interesting Think, for that. Thinking that'll be a good date night. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, maybe a sad one. It looks pretty romantic. A couple of local things I'm looking forward to. Uh, Sherlock Holmes in the Case of Moriarty, uh, written and created by David Elidun. He's done some really interesting literary adaptations for the Fringe before. He did that version of Casino Royale. He's got a version of Frankenstein that's going to come up later this fall as well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And I just like a good Sherlock Holmes story. Um, I, there's a couple of shows that were SATCO shows up at the Phoenix, Student Alternative Theatre Company, where a lot of good productions have come out of and gone on to be French productions and carried on from there. Uh, Ernie and Bethy is one of them, and The Fitting Room uh, is another one. 
And I didn't do fake ghost tours last year. Oh, it was so much fun. I was going to say, it was a, I, heard I good didn't things see about it either. It. So now they're back with uh, Sean O'Hara and yeah. Abdul Aziz are back with fake ghost tours too. And I really want to try and catch that, that this is. year. And they'll probably have ironed out some of the the kinks a little bit, but they're just such great improvisers. And so when you're talking about downtown in tourist season, yeah. and so there were so many hop on people that thought that they were getting in on a free ghost tour and, and seeing the confused tourists was equally <laughs> as entertaining <That's> great. <laughs> as basically these ad lib nice. ridiculous ghost stories in these, you know, traditionally well-known haunted locations across Victoria. Right. So I don't know what they're going to bring for round two, but it was a really fun a very fringy, right. uh, cool walkabout town for sure. Oh, nice. Uh, out of town talent coming back in. Um, did anybody see the Red Bastard when he was here? Intrepid brought him in yeah. a number of years ago from New York. He's a Cirque trained, Cirque du Soleil trained clown. Creepy but clown. He and he's, he's intense. He's intense <laughs> and he does that thing of interacting with the audience like a hundredfold yeah like he doesn't just make a joke at the audience's Note expense yeah he goes yeah, into the, the house and he, <laughs> he will makes, grind he made, what you was down it? he made somebody call and quit their job yeah yeah on the- he'll <laughs> grind you down he'll humiliate you but it'll be hilarious and uncomfortable at the same time he is it, it, it really is something you have to I have experience. anxiety just listening yeah. to Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. what it is. I will not be going to that show. Oh, it's just crazy. He, he <laughs> I is can't just, do it. I sit in the tech booth? <laughs> He's really something to see. So Red Bastard is coming in with the show. There's a lot from New York. Did you guys notice yeah. that? A lot of productions Yeah, that's this true. Year. This mm-hmm. Brief History of Beer is from New York, yeah. too. Rob yeah. G is back. Yeah. Rob yeah. G is back. Yeah. War of 1812. War of 1812. Which has always been a runaway hit. Yeah. I noticed War of 1812 uh, at the Winnipeg French. Somebody else is doing it as well. So oh, really? Yeah, huh. yeah. I think it was being done that's by puppets. Awesome. Somebody in puppets. Oh, my God. Something. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Uh, but that's a, that's an all-local one. That's uh, Morgan Cranny, Wes Borg, Rod Peter Jr., Mike Delmont, and Ian Case is directing that. So, yeah. so. where did Mike Delmont move to? <laughs> Do we know? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I just where in the world is Mike Delmont? T- he said he left town. But nobody knows where Toronto? he is. Yeah. Mike, if you're listening, let us know. Where Send are us you? an email. Fringe program has a big <laughs> and, ad for And are you coming Scottish back for Shrek? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, it was like he posted, I move away from Victoria and they're finally doing Shrek the Musical. Yeah. He's oh, like, did he post that? Because <laughs> yeah. he's really perfect for that. Oh, really yes. perfect for that. Um, I find it funny how every Fringe, there's like themes, you know, like there's like the feminist themes for certain years or else it'll be all about I traveled the world and like I'm a tree planter or something. I still want to do fringe preview bingo where we just take all of the <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the solo Shakespeare show. Yeah. Yeah, you totally. Know, the the theater's therapy production. Yeah. You know, the the one where somebody's gotta get naked. Like there's totally. all it's next Wednesday guys. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> I've been talking about stuff. doing this for like five years. That's a good and idea. I never get Get to it. But so, I noticed right. there's a lot of well, we mental health themes. I was thinking stuff. that too Seemed when to be, I yeah. saw it. Yeah, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. What's the one where one about erotophobia, the fear of sex? Yeah, and then ADHD, um, depression, mm-hmm. therapy. Yeah, there mm-hmm. were quite so a that's few. interesting. Yeah, yeah, the session. A couple of indigenous shows coming in, Rocco and Nakoda, and Reminiscences of Re- Reconciliation, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's set in the future, 2049, and they're looking back at reconciliation. So that, oh, cool. that could be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, a couple of non-gender specific shows. Uh, Blood Relative uh, features a non-binary performer, mm-hmm. Ren Lunicky. Mm-hmm. And then She Was a Great Dad, which is looking at one of the uh, famous trans characters in history as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm always excited about Travis Bernhardt. I was just going to say. Unscriptured is... is his new show this year. And it says it's the improvised church service for a religion made up on the spot. So <laughs> I've, no I've never seen him do improv. I've just seen his like kind of mentalism magic mm-hmm. shows. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. I noticed there was no magic in this year's Fringe. For the last few mm-hmm. years, there's been two or three magic And very shows little improv. Very mm-hmm. little improv, very little stand-up comedy. Those mm-hmm. were the little trends of the last few Fringes. And uh, that seems to be moving away. A couple of dance shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. more dance than more usual, dance, I would yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, which is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny because it's not really like it's lottery, right? So yep. these trends are just kind of... Yeah, it's not curated. What, like yeah, you performers know. are interested in creating yeah, right or now, who gets or... picked, right? Yeah. Like who wins the lottery? So yeah, it's kind of interesting how, how it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to the fringe, really, I think the best thing for people to do, pick a couple of favorites and then to take a chance on things. Yeah. Uh, whether you play a venue and you see everything in that one venue, uh, whether you play a day where you say, okay, I'm going to see all the four of these shows between, you know, X hour and X hour. Uh, it's just a good way to expose yourself to theater you wouldn't normally see well and ask people in lines mm-hmm. i love yes. the lineups i love the lineups you, you just people are so friendly they're happy to talk i wish people were like that all the time at uh, theater shows and arts venues in victoria because you know you want to know what you see and what do you want to look you know what are you looking forward to mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah i love yeah. the lineup culture so how are we going to tackle fringe this year guys because this is going to be our first year as a podcast hitting the fringe so we've got some ideas, some strategies. Like we'll have some lists. Yeah, um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna hit. Yeah, we're gonna be pretty active on social media. I think we'll be reviewing. Mm-hmm. Um, so four people reviewing that should be cover cover quite a bit of ground. Yeah. yeah so stay tuned to our social media channels on Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter, and uh, we'll be posting uh, brief reviews, and then we'll pick a, a few highlights. I think when we reconvene, probably not till after the fringe is over, we'll be. By the time this gets out and is floating around for a little while, we'll be in full fringe mode. Yeah. yeah. And if you want us to see something, then let us know. Because, yeah, there'll be wild cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There always is. That's always the, yeah. the fun part of the yeah. fringe is, like, just taking a chance on something and having it be awesome. What else is coming up? I guess uh, we've got Rooflandia coming Flandia up. Rooflandia is coming up uh, in and September. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A month. A month. month away. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the magazine's finally hitting the streets. Mm-hmm. As well as their theme days. I saw Salmon Sunday, which salmon almost Sunday. makes me want to get a day pass to see the costumes, how one dresses yeah. up as a salmon. I think Sunday is going to be the day of Riflandia this year. I'm calling it right now. Yeah. 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 Do we know who the Sunday night headliner is? Uh, the Current Swell. Current Swell. Uh, okay. Who aren't my favorite, but uh, Chad Van Galen is. Yeah. I feel like there was another band I really wanted to see. And people dressed en masse as salmon. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Uh, I find sometimes the weather is iffy on the Sunday for whatever it's reason. True. It is. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And, like, people are so partied out by then. It's like, oh, dragging themselves out on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> oh, it's Beardy Man. Beardy Man's playing Sunday. Oh, okay. And he's... Have you guys seen Beardy Man before? Never. Uh, I saw him a few years ago. Well, it's more than a few years ago now. He played at um, whatever that nightclub in uh, the Strath is called now. District. It was called. District. District. Nine one nine. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. It's Legend. Legend. Yeah. Legends. Yeah. Legends. <laughs> anyway, uh, he played there because uh, he was in Canada because he was playing Chambala or something, and he was amazing. Like I think I yeah he, he like does this crazy. He does a lot of like comedy beatboxing stuff, but mm. that set he played like an entire drum and bass set using like his voice and looping and samples and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it was incredible. So who knows the thing 
about Sunday is often there'll be someone who plays that just like throws everything for a loop. Like you're kind yeah. of expecting this mellow mm-hmm. Sunday and that's not what happens. Um, Chad Van Galen is one of my favorites. Uh, Iskaway is playing mm-hmm. on Sunday. Like to, that's the day I'm looking forward to the yeah, most. That'll for be the chill out. Yeah. Great music day. Yeah. Which reminds me, I just saw an announcement that the band Magic is coming on September 2nd. <laughs> like Canadian pop. And I you're like going? I, hear, yeah, I take that go. that you're going? Yeah, they're like one of the I don't know who Magic Canadian is. pop bands. You're not listening to daytime radio. Apparently <laughs> not. Yeah. The radio feeling, station, Cool FM. I'm feeling lost right now. Yeah. Broken social scene coming in. Sold totally out. Sold, sold, out. Out. sold out. August 31st. Just sold out, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Hit us up at, by email. Check the program, yyj at gmail.com. Facebook and Twitter. Check the program. And uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with a uh, wrap-up of The Fringe and a look ahead at the fall. And, uh, yeah, so keep the suggestions coming. We love hearing from you. I'm Amanda Farrell-Lowe. I'm Melanie Trump-Hoover. I'm John Thrillfall. I'm Sarah Petrescu. And don't forget to... Check, check the, the program! program.